of us, if we got offered a job that paid us double, okay, double what we make, none of us would be like, oh, man, no, I'm never doing that. It'd be like a, well, <laughs> you know, the worst city you could think of, you'd consider it. You'd be like, well, you know, Arizona has 120-degree weather, but they're paying me double, so, you know, like, it's kind of like, maybe, right? Money is a big deal. So the reason why we're talking about it is because when we're setting goals, we have to have the right perspective. Otherwise, we make decisions based completely around money and not about understanding what money is for as a tool and as something that we can use to further the kingdom. So before we jump in, let's pray. I'm going to ask Pastor Mancha. I know uh, throwing this at you, but would you please pray over the message today? So I got a, a few illustrations for you that I thought were funny. Uh, there's a story of a guy who went to a church service. And in this church service, as they were driving home, they, you know, the service ends, family goes, they drive home. He's in the car and he's complaining about everything. He said, the music was too loud. The sermon was too long. The announcements were not clear. The building was hot. <laughs> the people were unfriendly. He went on and on, complaining about basically everything. Finally, his very observant son said, Dad, you've got to admit, it wasn't a bad show. You only paid a dollar. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like, yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a good thought on just the idea of family, what we do, what, what, we, what they see, right? And then here's another illustration. Um, and these are just meant to be lighthearted, so we can have a little bit of humor in the beginning. Two men were marooned on an island okay, in the middle of nowhere. One man paced back and forth. He was worried and he was scared. While the other one sat back and started getting a good tan. The first man said to the second man, aren't you afraid? We're about to die. No, said the second man. I make $100,000 a week, and I tithe faithfully to my church every week. My pastor will find me. <laughs> I thought that was funny, man. Because there's just you know, so many perspectives on money and the church. But again, we want to have the right perspective. So in order to have the right goal, we have to have the right perspective. And so I'll give you a sentence that is kind of the summary of what we're talking about today. Giving is not the evaluation of how much. It's the evaluation of why. Okay, so giving is not the evaluation of how much. It's the evaluation of why. In every service, we give the opportunity to give financially or monetarily to God. We believe it to be a part of our worship. Okay? There are two words that you'll see in any church setting. So any church you go to will use these two words. Tithe an offering. And so we're not going to go fully in-depth into breaking down the, the full definition, background, historical context of these two words, but we're going to go review them a bit. Tithe, a tithe is the practice of giving 10% of what you own. So if you hear the word tithe, it comes from the understanding that it's 10% of what we have. Okay? The first mention of tithing is found in the book of Leviticus 27, verse 30. And I'm going to ask one of you guys to read it. It's in the Old Testament. 
Okay, it's the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, verse 30. And this is the first mention of tithing in the Bible. This is the first place that it's found. So if somebody can jump up and enthusiastically read that. Okay, so this is the first mention of it, right? So every tithe of the land. So in this time, in this context, tithing was not just about money. It was about livestock. It was the, uh, basically the currency of the time, what people used to buy, sell, and trade, okay? And every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Meaning, it's something that God views. Okay, this is what we read in the Bible. Now, there's a second uh, scripture that is, is referenced a lot when it comes to tithing. So if we can all turn there, it's in the book of Malachi. That's Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 8 through 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. And it says this, will a man rob God? Yet, and it's a question, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. So we read these two things about tithing and we could kind of have a general understanding of what the Old Testament is teaching us. So I personally believe and teach that tithing is a healthy practice. Okay? I personally believe that and I teach that it is a healthy practice. Two reasons. Number one, we support God's work. Tithing financially or giving money is the only way we really come into partnership with God himself. Like, it's something that we literally step into and say, like, I'm literally partnering with God. Okay? Number two is we make money subject to our command and not the other way around. What I mean is that when we, when we see X amount of money and we see all the things we have to do, in some sense, the money tells us what we can and cannot do, right? Like that's the idea of budgeting, all that stuff. But what happens is when we tithe, when we put God first, money becomes subject to our command. It's the thing that we say, okay, I know I need to do this, so I'm going to rearrange things in the way that, I, that God has given me wisdom to plan out our household and to make steps to make sure that this happens correctly. We prioritize God. So there is a tithe and there is an offering. An offering is anything given over a tithe. That's the differentiation. So we say 10%, right? If we look at $100, 10% of $100, $10. So that's a tithe. So anything we give over that $10 is considered an offering. Okay? In some ways, they are synonymous. In some ways, they parallel each other very closely. We are giving money to God. We are offering our finances to God. So in some ways, they're very similar. I like what uh, I I quoted last week, W. Graham Scroge. He says, there are two ways in which a Christian may view his money. How much of my money shall I use for God? Or how much of God's money shall I use for myself? So giving 
is always a matter of our heart. Giving is always a matter of our heart. It is never going to be coming from some other place. It's always going to be a matter of our heart. We read this and we define it in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Now here, we have something that is very interesting. (laughs) Um, In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, I'm reading from ESV, and it says this, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. So let's stop right there. We're talking about Jesus. So Jesus (laughs) sat down and watched who was giving. Now think about that. If, If, you know, we did an offering and... With the, the plate is right there, or the basket's right here. And Jesus is just standing here, just watching. You know, you put money in, he's like, how much was that? <laughs> That's, Jesus was, it says he was there watching the people putting the money into the offering box. And it's, it's interesting because it's like, man, we, we are so, um, in some sense, scared of the, the conversation or even the confrontation or, or, or conversation around money. But Jesus was right there, like, you know, what you put it in there, buddy? <laughs> and we don't do that, right? We're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. We don't sit there and look at what people are giving. Uh, but we see that the action that Jesus was taking was to be very involved, very uh, recognizing of what's going on. And it says this, many rich people put in large sums. Okay? Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make about a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, she has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So Jesus recognizes a, a few things. Number one, that the rich people putting in the large sums is not that big of a deal. It wasn't. He, he, didn't, he didn't stop and say, oh my gosh, they put in that much money. It was literally like this lady who doesn't have what they have put in more than everyone else. Now imagine the reaction for the rich people. Right? It, it's almost like a, an attack on their ego, on what they've accomplished. You know, I've given this much to the church. You know, Jesus is saying like, yeah, that's not a big deal. This lady here gave one cent, and that's a big deal. Think about the rich person or the person that gave a huge amount of money, how they would feel. Like, well, give me my money back. You know, like, (laughs) this reaction is is something to think about when Jesus publicly, he, he praises a lady in front of the disciples, right? It says, look, She has contributed out of everything she had. She gave all she had to live on. And what's interesting, and um, probably a topic of conversation or discussion for you later with other people, (laughs) uh, is that it doesn't say that that they took any action after that. They didn't didn't go help her. They They let her give. Think about that. Most of us are like, oh, no, 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 don't give. No, don't do that. Let me help you. But Jesus literally let her give it because there's a principle here that God is at work. God is behind and God will take care. I like uh, 
the starting point of examination of our why. The question to ask yourself, the question that I would ask myself, does God really have my heart? That's the question. Because, I, you know, we, as you all know, we were missionaries. The Pastor Monch were missionaries. We know that it is much easier when you see something going on in a, in a distant land to say like, hey, man, I'll send them 20 bucks. Hey, man, I'll send them 100 bucks a month. I'm going to commit to that. Hey, man, I'm going to commit to $1,000 a month. We see those actions. We, that's awesome. Praise God. But most of those people, if God said, okay, I need you to move there. Let me just send my money, God. <laughs> because there's, there's an issue of the heart. Does God own your heart? Does God have your heart? Because just like the rich people, we can contribute. But if God is asking us to sacrificially be part of something, that's the question and place we should question ourselves. Does God own my heart? Rick Warren says this, I don't understand people who have enough faith to trust God for salvation, but don't have enough faith to trust God in finances. We can come to God and say, Lord, save me, but we can't go to God and say, Lord, here. We, we, We trust him and say, like, you know, you can take care of my entire family, right? You're the God of miracles. We sing the song, and then time for the offering or tithing, and it's like, ooh, that was hard, (laughs) That's difficult. He goes further on to say, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You may say you love God, but if you don't give, you don't love him. In the same way, you may say you love others, but if you don't give, you don't love them. Loving and giving go together. That's why Christians are the most generous people in the world. Christian charities outnumber every other charity put together because Christians are generous because they have been taught by God to be like him. The clearest way of understanding giving and the posture or position of our heart is found in this scripture that we're about to read. This scripture, if you can grasp it and understand it, it will help you have the right perspective when you're making any sort of plan, any sort of goal. Matthew 6, 19 through 24, we're going to read the whole thing, but verse 21 is the one we're going to focus on. Verse 19 and 20 says this of Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the eye 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 is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And there's clarity here for us. Right? There's clarity for us as the Christian. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In verse uh, uh, 24, you cannot serve God and money. For us, there's a clarity because we simply say, what is controlling my life? And again, the idea of like a promotion, right? 
or job offer. Most of the time, like, you'll hear me. If you ask me, I'm like, bro, do it. If, if it's a good opportunity, if you can better your family, uh, do it. Push the door open, see, how, see what opens up, see if it's a possibility. Make it happen. If you can benefit and, and make your, uh, your situation better, uh, I say go for it, right? But in that, make sure to pray and say, Lord, do you want me to do this? Because if money is, is the God of our life, Money will take us down a road we don't want to end up in. If God is God in our life, he has everything in order for the best. Winston Churchill, who's not a Christian, but I love what he said. He said this, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Rick Warren also says, giving reveals our spiritual maturity. You get around anybody who's been a Christian the principle, the practice, uh, the discipline of giving is evident. They're, they'll, you know, uh, some people will drive, you'll see them <laughs> driving down the street in like a 15-year-old truck, right? Uh, I know a pastor, he has a pretty large church, but he drives like a, I think like a 2001, uh, like Ford something. And, you know, it breaks down every now and then. And he could afford a new one. But he said, but... But with that money, we take that and we give. We give to missions. We give to other ministries. And they're okay. He says, the truck runs fine. And, and the reality is like giving reveals our spiritual maturity because we command our money. We control that thing, that part of our life. It doesn't control us. Going further, we look in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It says this, since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. There's this push to not just be good and excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, but to also excel in the grace of giving. The Bible is a book about giving. Right, John 3.16, which we, most theologians uh, would agree this is the summary or best summary of the gospel presented to us in a very uh, easily digestible uh, format. The, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. The Bible is a book about giving. We know that believing is important in the Christian life, but the Bible uses the word believe 272 times. Praying is important. The Bible uses the word pray 371 times. Love is important in the Christian life. The Bible uses the word love 714 times. The word give is used 2,162 times in the Bible. God is a giver. God wants us to become like him. God is generous. You cannot become like Jesus until you learn to be generous. That's, that's an that's a earmark of a Christian. A Christian gives when nobody else does. A Christian has this compassion, this heart for people that says, man, I care, right? It's a, it's a person that actually take, took the time. And, and even in that, we're talking about money, but the giving part, right, the posture and the attitude of our heart is about the ability to sit with someone and even give our time, to just sit there, uh, just be with them, just hear them, talk to them, listen, you know, uh, be like in the same room. 
The giving part, the generosity part of the Christian is the, the differentiation between us and the world, right? Because the one in the world uh, who's pursuing career, uh, pursuing money, they don't want to give the time for anything else. It's, it's an annoyance. It's a nuisance. It's a bother. If you read the whole context of 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, we can read that together. Let's read that. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7. Maybe I can ask a few of you. Uh, maybe somebody read 1 through 4, and then somebody else read 5 through 7. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, somebody read 1 through 4, somebody else read 5 through 7. 1 through 4, Alex, and then 5 through 7, somebody else. Oh, Melvin, go for it. So here we have a context of, there's uh, uh, Paul writing to the church of Corinth, Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles. So first, they're being tested by many troubles. Number one, they're going through a hard time, right? All of us know what a hard time is. (laughs) They're going through a hard time, okay? And they are very poor. So imagine going through a hard time and being very poor. That's very hard, (laughs) okay? But they're also filled with abundant joy. Think about that. Also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Think about that. Their their setting that he explains, they're going through a hard time. They're poor. But they're so joyful that they want to give. I've been in in some context with with, uh, very poor people. And one of the things that they're super excited about is giving. And honestly, it just boggled my mind sometimes of like, guys, you, like, you don't have to do this. You know, let me give you some money. It's, it's difficult, but when you recognize that, man, we can be part of the goodness of God. We, we can literally invest and say, from us who don't have a lot, here. Like, I think about us even as a church investing into the, the missions, right? The, the churches and the ministries internationally. We don't have a lot, but we are part of something that it's a big thing. Um, as I was reading this, I was reminded, and uh, we're going to show a video, but I want to just explain to you what it is. My, my father and I were invited to South Africa to minister at a conference. Uh, it was in Centurion, South Africa, which is near Johannesburg. So if you know about Joburg, as they call it, the locals, uh, if you know about it, it's, it was uh, the murder capital of the world. So it was literally a very dangerous place. Now, the deceptive, deceptive thing was that when you walk out, it feels like California. You walk out and you're like, man, hey, the weather's nice, the sun's shining, the people are smiling. And he's like, yeah, it, there's a reason why there's a barbed wire fence and an armed guard around your hotel. Because they would come in and just rob people in their rooms. He, he, they told us, don't take the taxis from the airport. Even if they tell you, I'm here to pick you up, they sent us. Even if they tell you that, wait for me there. And so we're like, okay, cool, like no big deal. So he tells us later what they were doing was they were picking people up from the airport, taking them to the middle of nowhere, robbing them, killing them, and leaving the bodies there. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not taking a taxi. <laughs> like... This, but this was just a common thing. It, it was a, it's an impoverished place, right? It's, it's uh, poverty there. So in poverty, you have those who 
are just attempting to take whatever they can to establish themselves in, in dominance, whatever situation. Very difficult place, but we're there at a conference, and the contrast was insane. You had Centurion, where the church is, is like a, is like a nice area. Okay, so think of it like a, um, yeah, like a downy. Like Centurion was like a downy, a little, pretty decent area, nothing too crazy, not amazing, not ghetto, but you know. Uh, but, and then you had another area that we went and visited that's like the Irvine, right? It's like all clean, nice, no homeless people here. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, a, and then we went to Sebo King. Sebo King is literally dirt floor, uh, really not a lot of cars because they can't afford them. A whole area, they don't even have a name for it, it's a, they call them districts. Because what they do is they build up these little villages with whatever they find. So if they find a tarp, if they find like a, you know, a, a aluminum roof, it's, it's just built. And it's a whole area. I have a video of that, but I didn't put that one in. But we were driving, and it was just miles of these, like, huts. They're not, they're not buildings, but people live there. And, and so I want to show you uh, the church. So uh, it's, this is a church service. You're going to have... So what I'm showing you is a setting of where I ministered, okay? That was Sebo King. Now, the conference, I don't have a video of that, but the conference was nicer. It was a normal church setting. But when I went here, I didn't know what to expect. The pastor that drove me was like, you know where we're going? I was like, I have no clue where we're going. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's about an hour and a half away. And I was like, okay, no problem. So as we're pulling up, I'm like, oh, dang, like, this is, this is a pretty rough area. But we go in, and it's winter, okay? So obviously in South Africa, they're reversed. So in July, it's winter. So me being American, I was like, you know, I forgot my jacket. So I'm freezing my butt off. And they're in a tent. And it's cold. There's no heaters. The dirt is the floor. Okay? So I'm here to minister at this event. I go, and I'm you know, speaking to the church. God moved. It was a great service. Good time. As we're driving up, we see this little hut off to the side. I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was just maybe like a storage. And then, um, you can, if you can go to the guy in the suit, this is the pastor. He lived in that hut. And he walks out and he greets us, you know, like, and we're like, oh man, like, hey, pastor, nice to meet you. And I was like, oh shoot. I didn't know they were ties and suits, you know? And here I was, I had a collar shirt, that was it. And I was like, like, hey, pastor, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you guys, you know, wear ties. And he was like, it's no problem, brother. It's no problem at all. He's like, praise God you're here. Right? Super nice, awesome dude. Um, if you can also show, there's, there's one with it's just like dirt, like a field. Yeah. So those, we'll go over here. This area here, these are the bathrooms for the church. Okay? And this is the only water, running water they have. 
So this is how they wash the dishes and stuff. And the hut in the back is where the pastor lives. The hut over here is where they feed, I think they said it was something like 1,500 families out of that hut. And, and they were showing me this, and I'm just like, wow. Like, my mind's blown, right? Like, it, it just was a different world. But the pastor, you know, comes out, it's super nice, super friendly. We have service. Um, after service, the pastor comes to me. He brings me a gift bag and an envelope. And he, it was a little gift bag and, and an envelope. And I li- I'm not kidding. My reaction was like, no, like, they're not giving me anything. Let me tell you why. During that service, I realized when the other pastor that, was, that drove me there, um, he was explaining the income levels and, you know, the uh, monthly income, average income for the families. I realized that my watch, my shoes, my pants, my jacket, my, uh, just a, it was a cardigan, and my shirt was almost a year's income worth of what one family gets there. And I was like, this is crazy. How, like, you know, I felt bad, what I was wearing. I felt like, man, here I am, you know, they're here in winter, in a tent, and they're worshiping God. And I remember they were, uh, you know, I have other videos, they were, like, dancing and, you know, moving around a lot. And I was just, like, blown away. Because, number one, it, it sounded cool. I love the music. I was like, dude, this is dope. Anyway, so they're, they're worshiping, and the pastor says, you know, hey, if you come worship with us, if you're cold, you'll get warm. So just come worship with us. Move around, you know? And I was like, dude, that's insane because everybody's cold here. I know that for sure. <laughs> and, and it was just a crazy setting. And, you know, he brings me that gift bag and the envelope. And I politely said to the pastor, thank you so much. But I didn't come for you to give to me. I came to give to you. And I 100%, I had cash in my wallet. I was going to pull out and give to him. And he stopped me and he said, no. He says, what you don't understand, he says, if we don't give to you, we miss our blessing. And I was like, I have a big blessing for you, bro. I really was thinking, like, no, you don't understand. But he was so adamant. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, if, if I have an opportunity to give, I, I will do it, right? And so he's, he's just adamant, like, no, like, we want to bless you. You brought a good word for our church, this and that. He shares all these things. He's like, so you must take these things. So I'm like, oh, man. So I take it. You know, I go back to the room later, and um, I'm looking in what they gave, gave me. They gave me cash in the envelope, um, and then they gave me uh, in the gift bag was a tie. And I thought, I thought, what? Like, and he wrote a note in there, and he said, just in case you minister anywhere else, that they want you to wear a tie. And I thought for me, like, honestly, it was so humbling. Because, you know, in my head, I was just like, ties aren't cool. You know, I don't want to wear a tie. And then I roll up, and I'm like, oh, shoot, they all wear ties here. You know, like, this is the normal thing. I should have thought about the cultural sensitivity that I'm coming into, right? But this pastor comes, and he gives me this gift. And I remember he wrote a note in there. And he was saying uh, a few things, but he, but he said, because the message of the gospel is too important that if they get distracted by you not having a tie. And I thought, wow, he is so in love with God that he's saying, like, I don't care. He's, I, I, he didn't have a lot, man. He lived in the hut. 
and he comes and he gives. And, and what I'm saying is there's a reality that, that when you understand that giving is a characteristic of God, it's not the evaluation of how much, it's the evaluation of why. Giving is not the valuation of the amount. It's the recognition of the motivation. See, all of us here, my, my hope and prayer is that none of us are controlled by money. Why? Because then that means our society is directly affected by the Imago Dei, right? Those made in the image of God saying, we are going to behave like God. We're not going to behave like the world who says, value money, pursue it, live your life around it, focus on it. We're going to say, Lord, I just want to please you. And, and if I have money, I want to do what's right with it. If I, if I come into this amount, I want to know that it's not in control of me. Matthew 6.21. And I'll ask Melvin to come up and Pastor Marcia to come up right now. But our closing thoughts, Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's how a pastor in South Africa who has nothing can give to another pastor like, and say, like, you know, here, because we want the gospel to be shared. He didn't give me a tie because I needed to wear one. It was simply in case I go to another church and he didn't want anybody to be offended because he wants them to hear the gospel. He didn't want anything to get in the way of people hearing the message of Jesus. And that is what I'm saying to you today. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's stand up.